You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Okay. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of Dr. Tom and the Gold-Blooded King. I am the Gold-Blooded King, Daniel Hardy, along with Dr. Tom, Thomas Bevilacqua. How are you doing today, good doctor? Uh, you know, I'm doing good, better than the Warriors were doing last night or basically this entire season. But, you know, I- I'm not suffering any major injuries, so I guess that distinguishes me from most of the Warriors. <laughs> I guess uh, you can't count a broken heart. Um, you know, uh, that's the, They can't put that on the injury report. <laughs> and uh, we have a very, very special guest, uh, the guy who keeps GSOM running day after day. Um, you might have seen his name on such posts as uh, Chris Boucher um, leaves Warriors. <laughs> um, <laughs> many other uh, summer league related things. No, actually, the man himself, we got Brady Klopfer. Give it up for Brady. How are you doing good, sir? I'm... I'm not doing great, man, to be honest, because Jacob Evans III hasn't played in in a few weeks, and I'm just not <laughs> sure where my content is supposed to come from, if not from Jacob Evans. That is I, your I do, meal ticket. It is. I, I absolutely. do feel like once all the players got hurt, it, it was harder for you to just grab, you know, little tidbits. Yeah, you know, I need I need them to be like updating the injury report on a daily basis so that I can just have like three posts a day being like Jacob Evans the third will still be reevaluated in two weeks. <laughs> but the people need it, and we give the people what they want. Um, that we do. First question to today, I have um, I might give it to our guest Brady. Um, you know, with with the Warriors struggling uh, as they've been for the season, I think they have the, the worst record in basketball right now um which is amazing because the new york knicks still exists which is you know <laughs> um, ah, those those savants the new york knicks are gonna pull off the coup of the century oh wait no, sorry <laughs> sorry i digress don't want to trade for anthony Fake davis because they're long-term prospects um but i guess my question is um knowing that you do have two nuclear weapons in the splash bro Stephen clay recuperating from injuries on the bench and there is a lot of um interesting uh, developments happening with our young prospects, especially Eric Paschal. Um, can you think of five NBA teams with a brighter future right now than the Golden State Warriors? Whew. I think that depends on on what time frame you're looking at. Because I think if you're looking at, you know, maybe like a, a five to ten year window, then some of these teams that have the younger cores maybe are a little bit more enticing but if you're I was looking thinking december actually ne- 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 next month next next month <laughs> in that case i could think of like 29 teams with with more exciting cores you um, know what never mind let's go back to the longer time span because <laughs> i mean i i think you're onto something with like if you're looking at like two three years i mean realistically if if eric pascal continues on this route that he's going on and if the warriors see you know some improvement like like you know all jokes aside jacob evans third looked really good in those few games before he got injured he looked decent in preseason if they see something out of you know a jordan pool or an alan smilajic when he is healthy um and then like you said you're bringing in 
Clay Thompson and, and Steph Curry were just still arguably the best, you know, two man combination in the league. You've got Draymond Green, who we know is still an exceptional player when he is on a team that he is motivated to play hard on. And you either have D'Angelo <laughs> Russell or you have something that you've traded D'Angelo Russell for. You know, I think you could make the case that they should be considered one of the top two title favorites for next year. And that's before we get into the fact that they're likely going to have like a top five draft pick. Um, and and that could potentially be huge. So if we're talking in kind of the the immediate future, not the immediate as in December, but immediate as in next season and the season after that, yeah, I think they are do have one of the top five uh, brightest cores and foundations. And the question is, can they bring that on further than the next two or three years? And can they open up that window for another, you know, five or 10 years like the Spurs always manage to do? So you're basically saying next year, heavy title favorite, even going to the next couple years with the youth movement underneath. But I guess I have to ask Dr. Tom, why does it feel so terrible right now? Well, uh, um, one, it's never fun to watch a team that loses, especially as we've gotten so accustomed to success. But I also think as I was, uh, you know, l- listening to that response, it's inter- because I was thinking about, well, what other teams would you uh, put, you know, are in the conversation? I was going through and so many, I mean, the best team in the league right now are one of the best, you know, in terms of talent. The Clippers, we don't know who's, got, you know, how long will Kawhi be there? How long will Paul George be there? there the lakers you know they're anthony davis they're already saying well would he listen to offers from chicago so i think what in addition to the it's just never fun to you know it, it, despite our our history of watching terrible losing teams it's after you get a little taste of success it's never fun uh, to watch it i also think that sort of long-term thinking it 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 kind of doesn't exist in the NBA anymore because you have player movement. You have the, you know, things are always so fluid that, uh, you know, a core can be reshaped in sort of a moment's notice. Uh, And so I think that uh, that's why, because it's like nobody can, can, it's just what's in front of you. Like how much, like thinking about the, the Clippers or the Lakers this year, it's just like, they clearly are just like, well, let's just win a title this year. Let's just stock up. And then you don't know what's going to happen. You just try, you make it work however you can, but there isn't that, you know, we talk, talk just talking about dynasties and things like that. There isn't that dynastic thinking uh, in terms of how people watch the, watch the game. And so I think that sort of contributes to why uh, this season has been just, especially uh, rough at the beginning. Do you think that Steve Kerr is performing up to a uh, coaching level that you're satisfied with, or do you feel like there's something that's to be desired? Obviously with the, the roster turnover and the injuries, you know, when you look at the ingredients he has, it's going to be hard to make a, you know, five course meal. But at the same time, we've seen a ton of uh, feedback in our comments and also in the Twitter sphere um, kind of calling for Steve Kerr's head, you know, a couple weeks to the season. Um, I'll swing this back to Brady. Do you feel like that's warranted? I don't. Um, I think had they continued to do what they did the first few games of the season, it might have been warranted because 
that team was horrible before Steph Curry got hurt. Um, I think they would have figured a lot of things out. Uh, you know, a lot of the people who had them pegged for the playoffs were ready to reverse that pick after like three games, which I thought was was pretty hasty, especially considering the, the turnover they had and and the fact that Curry and, and Russell are just going to have to take some time to to get acclimated with one another. Um, but they were absolutely horrible in those games. And if that had continued, then yeah, I think, I think Steve Kerr would have deserved a lot of blame because as, as lacking in depth as this team is, if you have Steph Curry, D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green, you should at least be a competent basketball team. And if they were not able to do that, once the sample size was larger, then I think he deserves blame. But when you look at the roster they have now, not only should they not be winning games, they're not incentivized to win games. There's no reason for them to really have that be their biggest priority. And I don't oh, think they're tanking. You're piss off some commenters today. Yeah, absolutely I am. But, <laughs> like, it's worth noting, this team is already 2-10, right? They've already lost more games than the 2015-16 team did. Oh, how season. dare you do that to me? How dare you break my heart <laughs> like this? Oh. Sorry, sorry. But, like... Like, so you're, you're saying not, they're going to win 72, you know, they're going to go 70, you know, the rest of the way. They exactly. Cry the wolves. I got, exactly. got it. Got it. Now, you can just, you can write that down. We'll make a pin tweet. Um, <laughs> but, but I guess my point is, is right now, I think, I think in coaching or in the NBA, a coach's job is very fluid. It changes year to year and even month to month or game to game. Uh, and I think that's why it's hard. As, as we've all discussed before, it's hard to rank coaches because every situation calls for something different. Some coaches like Steve Kerr has proven to be a genius when it comes to managing superstar players and getting them all to mesh together and, and, mm-hmm. and do things well. And other coaches are great at winning games with, with limited talent, but they're not good at turning a good team into a great team. And so right now, Steve Kerr's job with this season pretty much out the window already, his job is to develop the young players put a system in place and see how well people fit it and that's what we should be judging him on the two wins the 10 losses none of that matters for this team what matters is how good can eric pascal be how good can jordan Poole be does d'angelo system does d'angelo russell fit the system can they find a system that does work for d'angelo russell how good can alan smilagic be how good can kavon looney be those are the questions that that actually matter And I don't have an answer really for how good Steve Kerr has been, because I don't think we're really going to see that until maybe next year when you see how everything he did this year, laying the foundation plays out next year on a team that actually has legitimate playoff and championship aspirations. But I think he deserves some of the credit for how good Pascal has been. Um, And to me, that's way more important than if they were four and eight instead of two and two and 10, you know? Yeah. That's a yeah. good point. Although and, I, I would have saved some more money that I lost during betting. Um, <laughs> if you ahead, have a Tom. gambling problem, please uh, cu- <laughs> dial the number below. <laughs> now, Dr. Tom, um, he named a, a couple of new players there. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, that was a guy when Kevin Durant got traded. I remember, even though you were upset about KD obviously leaving, um, and it wasn't That's like a week. We traded KD, you know, because we wanted to, but it was kind of like, you know, the salvage deal. We get D'Lo back. I remember you saying, hey, guys, this is a, a pretty crucial pickup considering we could have got nothing back. 
And I remember a lot of folks in the, you know, the GSOM Slack channel were a little concerned, like, is this the guy's going to fit our system? You know, he's kind of a pick and roll heavy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He's the ball in his hands. How's it going to work? Now that you've seen him, you know, in the game, that he's been healthy, especially when Steph was gone. What's your perception of D'Lo now? I mean, it is uh, about the same. I do. Uh, it, it was clear from the beginning that uh, maybe Kerr hadn't uh, compensated for how much, whether it's how much uh, Russell was going to need the ball in his hands, how much he was going to have to go away from his offense to kind of allow him to thrive. Uh, but he's looked good. He's been, you know, spending, and, and rightfully so, I think Pascal, Pascal uh, gets the, uh, you know, is, is what everybody's sort of fixating on is like the the lone bright spot in this uh, early part to the season. But uh, I think Russell's play, I mean, you look at over these past few games and he's, you know, been keeping them in the game. He's had them been almost willing them single handedly to, uh, to to get wins. Now, obviously they haven't, but I think that has more to do with, well, you have a, you, the Warriors are hard capped and they have an extremely uh, sort of flawed uh, in a lot of ways, uh, bench and supporting cast. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I don't know. I've been impressed with uh, Russell so far. I don't, you know, where you have to wait and see, you have to have Steph Blatt back and clay back to see does he fit in on this team? I think he could. And I wonder if uh, having this r- responsibility and the sort of the having to take the lead of this team uh, is going to allow him to better fit in once you have all of those guys back. Uh, so you have to wait and see, but um I don't know. It's been, he's been impressive, you know, with he's going out there, you, you know, that the, you know, he's going out there and teams know he's, he's the offense. He's the one guy who can get a bucket. And he's still, you know, up until that Laker game where they were really just like, we're just going to stop this guy and whoever else can do whatever they want. Uh, But he was still able to kind of get going. And that's, you know, he's not a, a perfect player. He's not, you know, in that sort of uh, upper level of the sort of the elite 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 uh talent in the nba but i think he's shown look this is a guy who as a second or third option on could, could be someone on a team that has playoff and championship aspirations so i think you have to wait and see you just we just don't know but i think people who are trying to kick uh delo out the door trying to really kind of bring him down a little bit uh, and denigrate him. I think you're kind of missing the point. I think he's really impressed that he could, you know, uh, this is a fresh, you know, he was on a playoff team last year. He could be very frustrated with this, but he doesn't seem to be. He seems to be someone who is trying hard and trying to help this team develop. And I think that's also something that can't be overlooked. So I think you got to go wait and see. And I think uh, Russell, you know, it's a little bit of a throwback to that, uh, you know, dare I say like a Monte Ellis or a, a whomever of just like guys who can kind of ball and get buckets on teams that eh, don't don't usually win. But I think there's more there. We just have to wait and see how much more there is. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, I'm glad you brought up Monte Ellis because that's a fascinating comparison just in terms of the idea of an undermanned, scrappy team that's just not going to roll over. And that's the one thing I really appreciate about this Warriors team is that uh, despite their uh, disadvantages, they're not quitting. And they're, you know, we've seen them come back from 20 down and at least cut to, you know, single digits in the last minute or so. And that's really impressive. That's one of the things that we loved about Monte Ellis was that, you know, he was going against the Kobe's and the D waves and the LeBron's and he was coming at their necks. Like, Hey, you're going to come into, you know, Oracle arena and did disrespect the squad. Well, so I always love about Monte as well. And, and I wonder if, you know, it's in terms of the size, they don't quite line up. But I wonder if the guy who maybe compares it, I'm thinking about uh, Antoine Jameson, because I'm just thinking about those back-to-back 50-point nights. And I do, because I do think you can be a player who scores a lot, but you don't help your team. But I look at James, uh, Antoine during those years, and I don't, like, he, it was, it was the supporting cast. It was what was around him, and it was just him laying it all out there to try to, single-handedly get a team a win and hopefully someone would come on come along for the ride so maybe Ellis even though their size wise kind of match up and kind of the way where they are on the court but maybe it's even more of that J like like an Antoine Jamison because I don't want it to seem like oh if he's just going out there and getting his buckets uh that's hurting the team in some way and I think uh Ellis it maybe he invited a little bit of that criticism well, yeah, yeah, he did. But at the same time, there was definitely some nights where it was like, no one can get a bucket. And you look at that depth chart and you're like, who can get a bucket? And Monte's like, I can. So, you know, I, I appreciate it. And especially, you know, I've been a, a couple games this year in Chase. And the like the sequence that usually happens is this. The Warriors try to run their motion offense. There's like three turnovers, two Jordan Poole air balls, and like a missed layup from Glenn Robinson the third. And then the end was like, okay, guys, I got it. And then he just goes bonkers for like a five-minute stretch. And you're like, whoa, this dude literally is the biggest reason to look with my eyeballs at the court as opposed to just crying and gnashing my teeth. So I really appreciate that from a you know entertainment fan percept- um, perspective. But at the same time, it's so hard to get buckets that way. I mean, if you're not James Harden. You know what I mean? And even then we see that there are some nights where it looks just terrible. In the you- playoffs. Yeah, you know, when we cast the most, um, yeah. just running those, those high picking roles and trying to, you know, I mean, obviously D'Lo's vision um, probably isn't the best, but he's trying to move the ball when he can see. But I think oftentimes, so many times, he's like, the team needs me. Got to put him on my, on my back. Let me just work it out. And sometimes he may miss a guy. And sometimes he may find the guy and he misses the shot. And it's like, well, D'Lo, you should have shot that contested jumper from 30 feet. So it's 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 a almost a lose-lose um, spot for him if we're looking at him in terms of, like, wins and losses. But in terms of, like, keeping the fans entertained and giving the Warriors a, you know, a fighting chance, I'm all about D'Lo right now. Um, it's funny enough, though. I feel like there's a, a situation going on around in the league where um, in the absence of the Warriors dynasty just crushing everyone down um, – the resurgence of the individual player who, you know, takes everyone's heart, like the, the, the Dames and the Kyries and the Andrew Wiggins, guys like that, yeah. uh, Brady. Um, yeah. When you have a D'Lo and you're thinking about the, the trade market possibly, 
Who out there are you thinking like, I wouldn't trade D'Lo for? Like, would you trade D'Lo for Kyrie? Would you trade him for Wiggins? Uh, would you trade him for Dame? Oh, well, that's such a hard qu- question because it, it's it's easy in a vacuum where you're just talking about kind of talent for talent, but then you have to consider like fit and actually what the Warriors have and what the Warriors need. And like, right. it's kind of a weird fit having D'Angelo Russell next to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, but at least like you can kind of see how it works. He's, he's pretty big for a point guard, so he can kind of pass as a two guard defensively, even though he's not a very good defender. So like, I think Kyrie Irving and Damian Lillard are substantially better players than D'Angelo right. Russell, but the fit might be a little bit harder. And they're also guys who are used to being the star of their team, super, super ball dominant. And while Russell is used to being ball dominant, he actively chose to sign with the Warriors, knowing that they had Steph Curry. So like Mm -hmm. he came into this knowing, Hey, this is going to be my role. I'm not always going to be the guy bringing the ball up the court. And you know, who knows if, if a Damian Lillard or a Kyrie Irving would be, would be willing to do that. I, that said, I would, you know, eight days a week trade him for Damian Lillard um, without thinking twice. You, 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 you do that and ask questions later. Absolutely would not trade him for Andrew Wiggins. Um, <laughs> absolutely would not do that. Um, I know I'm, I'm a, for anyone listening, I am, I am the lone person in our boisterous Slack conversation who is not yet convinced that Andrew Wiggins has figured things out. Um, I need, I need a little bit more before I get there. Um, and that contract is just, whoo, mama, that's a big contract. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's basically the same contract as, as D'Angelo Russell's at this point with, with the amount of time left on it and the, and the money. Um, but I think, I think honestly, if, if we're going to see D'Angelo Russell traded, I don't think it's going to be this year. I think it's much more likely to come in a in a situation where they use him to get a well I think ideally they're hoping that there will be a disgruntled star that there will be a Paul George situation from his indie days or an Anthony Davis situation from this last summer where a superstar like like a Giannis or an Embiid or a Ben Simmons is on the market saying that they're not going to resign and that team is stuck needing to get back some value but if that doesn't happen, I would be curious to see if the team does go the route of just trading him for for complimentary pieces for those Andre Iguodala type players. Like, you know, we know that Minnesota has a huge interest in D'Angelo. Um, I don't think the Warriors would be interested in Wiggins, but would they be interested in something like Robert Covington, Josh Okoge, and some draft picks where you're getting two solid dependable role players that you put around your core of three star players um, and maybe some younger players to, to try to expand the window. I don't know if they would be, I don't know if Joe Lacob would be down with trading an, a guy with an all-star on his resume, who's as young as D'Angelo Russell is for role players. I don't think that is what they had in mind when they signed him. Um, but I'd be curious to see if they do. I, I just took your question. I just went in a completely different direction than what you were asking. I apologize for that. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so wait, if the, if the Warriors trade for Ben Simmons, do they do what should be done and turn him into a center? <laughs> Man, you know, that's a really good question. Um, 
Yeah, I I mean, I think they would still start a center, but I think I think we would see a lot of lineups where where Simmons and Draymond are the four and the five in in one order or the other. Yeah, and it'd be interesting. I'd, I'd be down for that. Yeah, that, yeah, and I mean, and you can. I mean, uh, I've been kind of. This is the the weird hill I've put myself on, but it's a way of saying, well, you could find maybe someone to put it the three because you look at, and I know he's a little undersized, but uh, Alec Burks has been playing well thus far this season. And so you think about, well, you take a guy like that and you say, okay, he's your three. Cause I, I, for some reason, my mind always goes to, yeah, like you, picking up that guy with the, with the Russell contract, but um yeah, maybe you you do somehow Jedi mind trick Ben Simmons be like, no, you are a center, uh, and then you <laughs> roll the dice on a guy like Birch or someone like that, and you're just like, okay, you're the five, but you're you don't have to do that much. Don't worry, uh, you're just gonna get a lot of glory playing alongside these guys. Right. Well, I think it's fascinating that the guys you're mentioning, like you know Ben Simmons, you know all star future megastar, they say, and you're saying you know you can put. Delo's name in that hat for a trade. I think it's pretty, pretty awesome that uh, Delo's that much of a prospect. And in a perfect world, I would love for the Warriors to have you know three guards who can go and get you at fifty to any time. Um, but there has been some defensive issues, obviously. Huh. And uh, I guess the question is, with the young guys the Warriors have now, who do you see transforming into a standout defender right now? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I do think I do think Pascal will be a very good defender. I think it's going to take some time. I think just in the league in general, rookies are not good defensive players. They just don't provide value on that end of the court for understandable reasons. I mean, I think people underestimate how different the NBA and college are, um, mm-hmm. and just not just in terms of size and athleticism and physicality, but like defensive and offensive schemes in college are so simple they are so you know not not to sound like condescending or anything but they're so simple compared to what is run in the nba um you have so many zone defenses so many you know high school level offenses and it just takes a long time to to get used to the offenses that are being run the defenses that you are expected to run and and then the size and speed of the game. Uh, so Pascal, you know, I don't think he's been great yet defensively, but I think we've seen on offense how good he can be defensively, as weird as that sounds. But just his ability, like he doesn't look like he's going to be that quick. He doesn't look like he's going to have that many. Tell uh, that to LeBron. He yeah, saw him last night exactly. <laughs> that, exactly. Uh, we, and we've seen that every game. I mean, he did that. Uh, to PJ Tucker repeatedly, just first step got right by him. He's done that in almost every game. It seems to me like there isn't a, a player that he has faced yet that he can't get to the rim against at will. And that tells me that he is a really, really, really good athlete. Um, and that I think combined with how smart of a player, I think we're going to see that next year and the year after develop into a really strong defensive player. And then also we haven't seen him yet, uh, but all of the, all of the scouting reports on Alan Smilajic suggests that he has all the tools necessary to be a really good defensive center. 
which would be huge, obviously, for the Warriors. Um, that one might take a while because he is still incredibly young, obviously hasn't made his debut yet. His body still needs to develop a little bit more. He needs to grow into his frame a little bit. Uh, but but you guys were all there with me at Summer League. That guy has outstanding defensive instincts. His timing protecting the rim yeah. is great. Uh, so yeah. I think I think those two, Smilogic and Pascal, I think they can be very good defensive players. Yeah, he got he had a couple blocks at the end of the night that got all of us while we were like falling asleep there. <laughs> uh, got us on our feet. It's like, oh my god! <laughs> he was he was uh, the reason to to keep your eyes open for those yeah. Warriors summer league games. <laughs> The other guy who uh, he's not a rookie, uh, but uh, who I thought at least defensively has looked good. What has been uh, Omari Spellman? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. He, he. I remember watching that the Rockets game, and I think uh, the game against the Rockets, and maybe uh, one of the ones against the Thunder, where it was he was someone who uh, I got a little of that Kavon Looney energy because he would get switched on to guys on the perimeter, and I mean he wasn't shutting them down a hundred percent of the time, but he was doing a pretty good job for a big switched on to usually a pretty good player or Chris Paul, if it was against the thunder. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but uh, he, <laughs> but uh, he's someone who, you know, they took that chance on flipping Damian Jones for Spellman. And I, you know, maybe this is just overreaction or just the desperation that comes with watching a team that is not winning. But it's like, oh, wow, I think they really made the right move because I've probably seen more from Spellman that makes me think this is a long-term guy, a uh, long-term player than you saw from Damian Jones at all there was mm-hmm. I you know he had like one or two I remember he had a game in the end of 2018 against Oklahoma City where yeah. Jones played well but other than that it's been it had been nothing and Spellman you know again uh, it must be noted that not in wins uh, but he's made some really good contributions on defense and so and he's only this only is uh second year in the league so he's young and he's another guy who especially defensively and given the way the game is played now with switching uh, and you need your big men, if they want to stay on the court to be able to guard when they get switched on to someone, it's why Ryan Anderson, I don't know where he is, but I'm pretty sure Steph uh, escorted him out of the league in the 2018 uh, Western conference finals. Uh, He's in Houston, still not playing. Oh, oh, he's a Cal guy. He'll he'll land on his feet. Uh, but uh, yeah, Spellman's the guy that who stood out to me in terms of a young guy with some uh, defensive promise. Because yeah, that's that has been the uh, Achilles' heel is putting. It's just like the glaring, enormous, uh, gigantic weakness uh, in this Warriors team. It's just that they are and even worse defensively than any of us thought they'd be. Yeah. I think that's the tough part about watching them is that their defense is so bad. It makes you think that their offense is completely trash. And I was going over the numbers recently and they're still over 300 passes a game. Uh, I think they were like 11th in assists. Um, They keep their turnovers down relatively. The offense, while not a finished um, work, is not the problem. And I think that's what's so bizarre about it. The defense is so bad, it makes you feel like, why aren't we shooting 60%? You know what I mean? It, it, it's insane. And I like Spellman a lot. Um, 
he gives me so many most space vibes. It's just it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like that. First of all, him and Pascal, their turnaround and mid range face up games. Like for rookies to be that confident, like staring you down from eighteen feet and pulling up in the face and, and, and nailing it. That's going to be a weapon down the road. It's going to be huge, especially when you have Stephen Clay rotating off screens. If you can, you know, a play basically where uh, they come off the pin down and Stephen Clay get it, but they're trapped and they dump it down real quick. Remember David West used to drill those oh, mid-race yeah. jumpers like oh, all yeah. day? All Dude, day. if we get Spellman and Pascal hit, hitting those, like well, offense has a, a new dimension to it. And what's funny is I look at a lot of what we're taking away from the season so far. Spellman, uh and uh, Pascal uh, and those guys and, and Burks too. These like these in smaller roles doing things well and kind of in a surprising way. And it's just like, this is the, like if, if you had Stefan clay there, this it, it's, that's that, like that special sauce that takes, that makes teams great. It's when you have like the Warriors had in all these other runs when it's like David West on that elbow jumper or Leandro Barbosa just coming in and like barreling into the lane. It's that little kind of special sauce of the like, Oh, this is kind of this unexpected player who can just give you something special. Most Spates is yeah, another example of that. And so it's like, I just wish we had our the, the team, the real team here to play right. with some of these guys because I think that they've shown, you know, they're pretty good. And then if you put them with the actual core and, you know, the, the best backcourt in the league, uh, it might, you know, it might go, you know, that will that'll that'll be wins. It won't just be nice performances that Warrior fans talk about about, oh, okay, the potential of it, like we're talking about Anthony Randolph or whomever. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of potential, um, I know it's super early. Just give me your hot take right now. Jordan Poole, Splash Nephew or not? <laughs> oh, 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 you're trying to bait us here, Daniel. Yeah, oh, trying, totally. Trying to get us to say something real bad. Um, <laughs> man, I'm, I just don't have an answer for that, honestly. Like, here's what I, I love that he's still shooting. I know it's pissing a lot of Warriors fans off that he is just chucking and chucking and chucking. But that's his game. That's Mm -hmm. like, with all due respect to him, I I think he might be able to develop a few things. Uh, He's shown a few, like there've been a few possessions where he's shown some really interesting things defensively. And there've been a few possessions where he has beaten a man off the dribble and made a pass that I had no idea that that was in his toolkit. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. there are, there are glimpses here and there that he can do other things, but he was drafted to catch the ball and shoot the ball and catch the ball and shoot the ball. And as long as he is on the floor, as long as Steve Kerr is putting him out there, his role is to shoot and shoot and shoot. So like, I'm glad that he hasn't abandoned that, that he hasn't been trigger shy, even as some fans are maybe turning on him and saying, you know, stop shooting so much because like, if you want him to stop shooting, put him on the bench. Like, but if he's on the floor, you got to play your role. And that's his role, even if he's not playing it particularly well right now. Um, So we'll see. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be the level of shooter that Clay or Steph is. He just he doesn't have that resume in college that Clay and Steph had. Oh, greatest shooter of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a high bar. Those are, in my opinion, the two best shooters that have ever played. So like, you know it's fine if he's not at that level. If he, if he only makes it to be like prime Nick young, 
that's still a great addition to a team. Uh, right. Prime Nick Young, not uh, Warriors uh, Nick Young. Okay. Prime Nick uh, Young. Champion <laughs> Nick Young. How much, how much uh, cinnamon has he ingested? That's the important part. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's still got to do that if he's, he wants to be gotta a He's got to find his champ. JaVale. He's got to find he's his gotta JaVale. Find his JaVale. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. But, you know, his mechanics are exceptional. Uh, exceptional mechanics, and his release is so quick. Uh, and he's he's really bought in so far to the Warriors' offense in terms of of being kind of relentless off the ball, working around screens. You see that a lot with rookies who are shooters in college, and then they come out and like they're asked to run around like two stagger screens, and they don't get the ball, and they like start slumping their shoulders and hanging their head, like "Why didn't you pass to me?" You know, crap <laughs> like that. And I, I've been impressed that he is he has taken to Clay and Steph in that kind of relentlessness off the ball doesn't care if the play doesn't actually end up in his hands runs it again just keeps moving until he's open and and then shoots it so you know i think i think he has the potential to to be like a a mini a mini splash nephew or something <laughs> splash. We, what i know from him is that um and of course he's a baby in the game you know he's, he's a rookie but it's, it's totally a sense of he's so dedicated to you know making his cuts He'll be wide open, but he's rushing because he's anticipating someone being there. So he'll rush the shot. It's like, well, yeah. bro, you had a you had a little split second there to take your time and get set. And there's other times where he's like feeling comfortable, and someone just runs up and snatches the ball from him or blocks the shot. And he's like, whoa, where'd you come from? <laughs> so I think bro, once he starts figuring out the pace of the game and knowing, I mean, think about that. Stephen Clay, they're so aware of where the defender is. You rarely ever see them ever get blocks, like ever. Like they're, they're so aware. But that's, you know, years into the game. So um, if Poole gets that down, I think it'll be fine. But it, it is kind of tough, you know, like the team's making a run and we cut the lead to seven. And it's like, here comes Poole off the pin down and he's wide open and his feet aren't set and he's fading away from 30 feet. And you're like, oh, no, buddy, just set those feet, baby. Yep. Yep. He's fun, though. I do enjoy watching him, even as infuriating as he is. He's fun. He, uh, he's just, I, I, you know, he is the kind of epitome of the, or uh, of of the season, like for the team, is kind of what I want to see from Poole, which is just, uh, you know, if you're missing those shots, despite yeah, uh, kind of the the example you had there, Daniel, um, it's like I want you to learn the system and just shoot because you, you know, eventually they have to start falling or they will because you are or have a you know you don't just i mean maybe you do maybe you do just forget how to shoot i don't know uh but uh you know i think you just got to give them time and especially getting uh adjusted to the pace and the spacing and the nature of the program like yeah it's this tweets play 12 games in the nba like <laughs> i'm sure trade him trade i'm sure there have been other rookies who have struggled in their first 12 games uh shooting three you know shooting from three point uh three point range and uh have managed to rebound i mean look at ben simmons although he hasn't actually made a three-pointer yet <laughs> Look at Vincent. We I remember how Clay goes to a slump every single year. Yeah. Well, like I, I know every time it happens, like you know, it's game three, and he's like one for twenty. And you go to the comments, and people are like, "Look, I think we need to trade Clay Thompson. The magic is gone." And it's like, "Whoa, this dude's like you know, 
better than Reggie Miller. It's this crazy. isn't. It's like Space Jam isn't real. Uh, that you can't just <laughs> take away talent. Like I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break it to everyone. That was not, in fact, a documentary. Uh, so usually, what? yeah, I know I, 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 it's tough. Sometimes you gotta, yeah, you know, you gotta, gotta bring the truth, but, uh, the numbers regret, like you will, it's, and it's, you say regress. I, I always love pointing this out, but like that works both ways. So like if you're low and then it, you know, high, it's still a regression back to the mean. But I think you will right. see that from pool at some point, uh, both this season and then, Kind of overall, you'll see him be more of a, uh, what the Warriors envision uh, as he gets more playing time, uh, or he's getting plenty of playing time. I mean, just being in the league more again. He's played it twelve games in the NBA. Just yet, like I, I if, when I move to some place in like my first twelve days there, like I'm just a mess. So like, let's get let's <laughs> give the guy a little time, and before we start saying anything. Oh, totally. Um, and speaking of time, I want to shift gears to go to uh, a Western Conference team that I actually picked to make the playoffs. Um, I think a lot of folks did. The Warriors? Uh, the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> uh, the Blazers are 4-8, and eight, and they happen to be one of the two teams we beat. Um, the Pelicans were 2-8, and eight, and now the Blazers 4-8 and eight are two victories. Um, I don't know how much Portland basketball you guys have watched this year. I watched a couple games. Um they suck. What happened? Yes. yes. They they do suck. They they are in a world a world of trouble. Um So Hassan Whiteside is really bad. Oh. <laughs> he is just really bad. And Yusuf Nurkic who is injured and is the reason they're playing Hassan Whiteside is really good. And I think people kind of forgot how good he was because Portland still managed to do well in the playoffs for two rounds um, <laughs> before, you know, you know what happened there. But, um, and then they did good for the first half of all those games. Yeah. And then suddenly yeah. I was like, whoops. Uh, I thought game time. I thought his time was later in the game. I guess we're mistaken. <laughs> they, they activate the brooms. They get some serious participation trophies for that for that series, no doubt. Um, they 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 showed out, you know, for a, for a sweep. Um, <laughs> you know, congrats to them. Yeah. That's kind of the most they've had to to cheer for in in a while. Um, but man, they're just, their off season was so bad in my opinion. Um, I mean, of all the centers to target, I know they were trying to do, to do something to, to make up for Nurkic being injured, but Whiteside just, that, that just wasn't it in my opinion. And, and they had to give up Mo Harkless and How could Myers you be Leonard. Mo Harkless? <laughs> Myers Leonard, the man himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm simultaneously thinking of of Tom making a Kanye joke and Myers Leonard scoring 20 points against the Warriors in one quarter or one half. Myers or Leonard, it was. how could you be Mo Harkless? <laughs> I'm gonna have to listen to 808s and Heartburn as we're done with this. Um, well, I mean, that's the, what was so crazy about it to me is that you know, as bad as the Warriors are, only one team can win the championship while the Warriors are down right now, and we know. 
they won't be down forever. In fact, Brady called them one of the heavy title favorites for next year. So that means that every team with like you know the the the, the Hutzpa and the re- revenge factor, and it's it's our year. I mean, Lakers, Rockets, Jazz, Nuggets, Clippers, Mavericks. I mean, Spurs. Who, who are you going to name in there? Only one team can win it. And so to see the way that it's shaking out early after like you know ten or uh, eleven or so games or so. Um, I think it's fascinating to see that so many teams have such glaring flaws. Now, of course, with the Clippers, we have to wait to see how PG-13 comes back because if it's seamless, good night, curtains. Um, but the Lakers have some serious flaws, but even though they're 9-2. Um, Rockets, 8-3, and three, but do you trust them? No. Um, the Jazz, obviously, Dr. Tom and I do not trust them at all, although Brady would beg to differ. But um, <laughs> it's amazing to me that all these teams that complained about, like, if only the Warriors weren't here, we could really shine – I can't wait to see how it shakes out because a lot of people's legacies, if they don't win this year, are going to be irreparably damaged. Like if James Harden doesn't win a title this year, he's not going to win it ever. Like that's for sure. Um, if LeBron can't get it this year at his age, unless they can add, you know, like some other bargain basement former superstar like uh, Dwight Howard says, <laughs> like Dwight Howard is getting 15 points, eight rebounds, and five blocks off the bench. People are like, oh, my God, Dwight Howard's back. I was like, Dwight Howard never left. He's been the same guy the whole time. Like, those are his numbers he's always been getting. What are you talking uh, about? To my point about numbers regressing, uh, I look at this Dwight Howard run at the beginning of the season, and it's just like, uh, that, I don't know how you sustain that for an entire season. Maybe I'm wrong. You don't think he can sustain getting 15 points and eight boards against backup power fours? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, he, he's he got to be, I mean, outside of Montrezl Harrell, is Dwight Howard the best backup big man in the game? That feels disrespectful. Serge Ibaka. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. a backup? He is now with Gasol starting. Oh, okay. You know what? I will definitely give it to you, Baca. Speaking of the Raptors, uh, Pascal Siakam, yeah. uh, is he the Very best good. player of all time? <laughs> he's, he's he's played like one of the best players in the league right now. We'll, we'll see how that holds up, but my God. Well, it'll help because they finally got that other point guard out of there so they can start giving Fred Van Vliet some real run. Wow. <laughs> okay, wow. so uh, final question to wrap this up. Um who, if we take a look at the Warriors' schedule, who will they get their next win on? This is the, man, this is depressing. Oh, yeah, this is – I don't like this question. All right. <laughs> Come on, um, they got to win somewhere. All right, let's – I got I to gotta look up their schedule here real quick. All right. Don't forget December 11th against the Knicks, Kevon Looney, Stormtrooper Edition bobblehead Ooh. night. Yes. Uh, they got on November 17th against the Pelicans – that could be. I'm going to go with that November 19th versus the Grizzlies. Yeah. No, hell no. Jay Morant's killing right now. Where <laughs> is Ja? <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you oh are my just God. That boy is going for references. Hey, man, I see oh, yeah. stuff. I know things. You see, you know Kanye. <laughs> you know Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I think Pelicans is a good bet. What was I on me back by no, then? No. No, he's way off still. Way, way yeah. off. Yeah. I think I think you're mm-hmm. right that either the Pelicans or the Grizzlies, then who uh 
Uh, oh, uh, uh, they got the bulls coming. Yeah, the bulls, the and the hey, they get to take their trip down to Orlando to face the Magic, who I thought would be a lot better and are not. Yeah, you and all of us, yeah. man. There. Yeah, I haven't been. Yeah, that, that, maybe that's my fault because I haven't been watching them. But they were definitely a team. It was like <laughs> they're going to make the leap, but then it's like no, they're three and whatever. <laughs> They made the leap, just not in the direction yeah, you were yeah, exactly. expecting. <laughs> yeah. Off the cliff. Again, more, more to this comment about reg- regression. It was like last year, it was like, ah, oh, they made the playoffs. Wow. And then it's like, all right, now, now you got to go back to being who you are. Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> I have the um, upset pick. I think we are going to be the trap game for the Boston Celtics. Oh. Ooh. Um, I think they're going to, to, to sleepwalk on us. I foresee a lot of Jason Tatum. I actually know. This is the one team that Jason Tatum could actually drop 45 on. Never mind. Uh, let's go with the Pelicans. <laughs> let's go with the Pelicans. All right. So um, we got that Sunday, November 17th. Book it, folks. The Warriors are beating the Pelicans for the third win of the raise season. That banner. Second time. That's right. We're going to raise that up. <laughs> Three win team, baby. All right, folks. Thank you for listening to Dr. Tom uh, and, of course, the great Brady. I am the gold-blooded King Daniel Hardy. We'll be back at you soon. And, uh, hey, Brady, in post, add some cool hip-hop music here. Oh, you got it. Yeah! (laughs) All right, good night.